Blog Talk Radio. Yeah, we have got a jam-packed show here for you today. I don't know how we're going to cram it all in in an hour. Good thing that we've got the extra half hour if we need it. We have the ability to go over time if we have to. But we've got just a great show for you lined up today here on Post Time with Mike and Mike. We certainly appreciate everybody joining us. Hall of Fame trainer Jimmy Tactor will be joining us towards the bottom of the hour, maybe a little bit past that point. And uh, he's going to talk to us a little bit about his power pack stables, what their plans are for uh, 2016. Plus, we'll go in depth a little bit uh, with Jimmy about some of the great horses that he's had over the past couple of decades. Trainer Ron Burke will uh, be here in just a couple of minutes. He's going to talk to us about Foiled again as the ageless one gets ready to uh, get uh, set for the 2016 uh, racing season. So uh, Ron Burke will be on to talk Foiled again. We'll have one of the great handicapping minds, uh, Dave Brower, joining us uh, towards the bottom of the hour as well. Plus, that's not all, Mike. We've got, as is, is is my good friend uh, Phil Swift would say, that's not all. Pete Medhurst, the uh, track announcer of Scroft Raceway, will be joining us, and uh, he's going to talk to us a little bit about uh, what happened their opening day, which was uh, Tuesday, and uh, talk about the 2016 racing season there. And uh, right now, we're, we're not even going to go to our traditional break, Mike. We're going to go right into it because we've got such a, a full slate here today. We've got John Barry from the Isle of Capri at uh, Pompano Park joining us uh, live on the program. And, uh, John, listen, you uh, sent me a little bit of your bio, and uh, I'll just put it to you this way. It's easier to say that you've pretty much done just about everything there is to do in the harness racing business. John, welcome it. Well, thanks so very much. You know, uh, it's great to be able to play every instrument in the orchestra, and especially in this sport. It's a grand sport, and I've been uh, wrote my first article back in 1964, and have really seen the changes. And 
to me, the standard bred's the, the greatest breed I have ever witnessed, and I've witnessed a lot of them. John, listen, uh, first of all, before we get into the particulars here of what we want to talk about, uh, I do, and I, I'm sure I could speak on behalf of uh, Mike Carter and congratulating you guys for what you guys have been able to do. Pompano Park over the, uh, really the last year and a half or so, uh, have really been a, a, a gambler hotspot. I mean, you guys have done a terrific job generating a lot of interest from a betting point of view. You guys have had a couple of really nice days, and it seems like those are being more frequent. So I just want to say on behalf of Mike Carter and myself, congratulations to you guys because your crew has done a fantastic job down there. Well, thanks so very much. We really have a great crew, and uh, you can thank Brett Revington, our director of racing, who goes all out every day. Uh, there's no such thing as a two-minute mile with Brett Revington. It's always 148. He's just an incredible guy to work with. Let's get down to business, John. Uh, the first annual Pro-Am event uh, took place last Saturday. As a matter of fact, it was a pretty big card overall last Saturday, but you had uh, Tim Tietrich, Tim Tietrich, future Hall of Famer, versus uh, Dave Miller who was a current Hall of Famer, and they put together a team, and uh, they kind of had a little bit of a contest down there. All the proceeds went to charity. It was just something that you guys did in cooperation with the Florida Amateur Drivers Club. Tell us a little bit about how that went. Well, that was a fantastic event. You know, the uh, the Amateur Club has donated, oh, probably close to $160,000 to charity with their driver's fees over the year, and they've just got some great participants. Every week we've got two or three amateur events. They're highly contested with all that money going to charity. And it turned into a, a real great amateur event coming up this weekend because Tim Tietrich was in the winner's circle, and he presented uh, Dean Spriggs with his colors for this international series. And my, oh, my, they have drawn drivers from nine different uh, European countries, uh, plus New Zealand, plus Dean representing the U.S. So we're going to have seven races, originally six, but now it's seven races uh, for all of these drivers, and a lot of different charities are going to benefit from it. Now, John, you know, you guys have done a great job putting this together. How how did this international uh, driver's challenge come together? Was it Was it kind of just a meeting of the minds, or was this something you guys have been planning for a while? Well, Dean Spriggs, who is the, uh, I would say he's the spark plug behind the uh, amateur club at this point, he got in touch with FEGAT, F-E-G-A-T. They're the European Federation of Amateur Drivers. It's an organization that was formed in 1954. And uh, this year there are 10 countries involved. We've got Austria, Denmark, uh, Finland, uh, Germany, I'm taxing my brain here, Hungary, Italy, Norway, Russia, Spain, New Zealand, and the United States. And I hope I didn't leave anybody out, but it's an action-packed group, and we've got some pretty solid drivers there because uh, we had uh, Jaume Bassa Riera here last year, and he won a race at Pompano, also at Tioga and Yonkers, so he's got some American uh, credentials here. And, of course, uh, Danny Blakemore from New Zealand won some races uh, over at Cal Expo in 2000. Early. He's just a store owner, and he drives. He's an amateur driver, and, and these guys are great. We have a sports reporter by train, uh, uh, Typo Hoika from Finland, who's a sports reporter. He won his first race when it was 22 degrees below zero, and he got the bug, and he's an amateur driver. He's got 15 lifetime wins, and it's going to be a great competition. Yeah, certainly is. John Barry joining us from the Isle of Capri. Uh, John, backtracking to uh, last Saturday a little bit, not only did you, did we have Tim Tietrich versus Team Miller, but we also had a, a track record go down as well. 
Well, uh, Velocity Vespa was the uh, was the mare, and she wired a field in 149. And I will tell you, that was some mile because she was out in 54 and home in 55. And as I told George Knapp, I thought there was a, a cop car around the second turn uh, waiting to give him a speeding ticket. She was really rocking. She does her best work on the front end. And the week before, got uh, hung out to dry like wet laundry and uh, couldn't get there, of course, then finished off the board. But there was no such thing this past Saturday as she was in the lead, clearly three steps out of the gate. All right, it's the International Drivers' Contest coming up now, March 12th, March 13th, down at uh, Pompano Park. John, listen, we certainly appreciate you joining us. John, what's uh, what's upcoming? Uh, what, what can we look forward to the rest of this meet down at Pompano? Well, uh, we still have a, a good supply of horses. We've got, we've really got some great, great horses here. Pinocchio's in on Sunday as well. Uh, we've got some really fine horses. There are no more uh, late closers that we're going to have. We're just going to have overnight events. But it's going to be a solid meet because our super high five has been popular. That's up to in mid sixty thousand dollar level, and uh, we're always offering guarantees on our pick four pools and things like that. So Pompano is a good place to look, and all of harness racing is getting some benefit from it. All right, John. We certainly appreciate you joining us. You can catch John Barry, by the way, uh, on the uh, pre-race shows at Pompano Park on their feed, uh, doing a fantastic job. And I gotta say that you're doing a fantastic job keeping my good friend Gabe Pruitt in line. Keep up the good work, buddy. <laughs> I sure will. Thanks for everything. Be well and uh, and pick some winners. All right, that was John Barry from the Isle of Capri, Pompano Park, uh, doing a fantastic job down there. Mike, we uh, have just gotten started here on Post Time with Mike and Mike. When we come back, we're going to have Ron Burke. He's going to talk a little bit about Foiled again. You've got Post Time with Mike and Mike. Stick around. The New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program places retired racehorses into approved monitored homes and transitions them into second careers. New Vocations has placed over 350 retired standard breads the past three years. They are now accepting horses from all racetracks in the United States. New Vocations has facilities in Ohio, Kentucky, and Pennsylvania and is expanding to New York. To learn more, visit newvocations.org and on Facebook at New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program. Foiled again. Past the finish line in 148 flat. A new world record. Maybe four or five times we've ridden him off throughout his career. Just an unbelievable racehorse. The champ Foiled again. Golden receiver. They're slugging it out. And it's foiled again. Foiled again. Foiled again. Showing his class. Foiled again. Ho, ho, ho. Post time with Mike and Mike, Mike Carter, alongside of Mike Bozich. And joining us now is trainer Ron Burke. Uh, Ron, welcome to the show. And how is our friend Foiled Again doing? 
I seem to, you know, came back great again this year. Everything's, you know, positive, and I hope to get off to a better start this year than he did last year. Now, Ron, uh, he came out, or he raced in his qualifier pretty well. Uh, how did he do in your eyes, and uh, how's he coming back? Yeah, he's always been, like, qualifiers, like, I don't worry about them. So those are good efforts for him. He's not going to go to the make it. You know, they kind of the qualifiers. He's going to get back, just kind of do what he wants to do. When you really want to race, you just got to ask for the deal with Joining us on the program, uh, trainer of Foiled Again. Uh, Ron, last year, uh, Foiled Again had some uh, minor throat surgery. Is uh, that all pretty much past him? Yeah, no, two weeks after it was past him. But, like, you know, it missed a lot of his big money races. Like, their Levy's very important to his whole year. So it wasn't the start we were looking for. But, you know, if it was the first time really he had had any health problems ever in his life. Now, Ron, uh, is, is the Levy sort of uh, where he's kind of aiming to to start off his season this year? I know uh, some of the yeah, big no, names, like yeah, Google Jiggle sure. Go ahead. Yeah, like, I, like I'm, I'm, I'm not worried about as much Wiggle and Jiggle as, uh, you know, Tactor's horse that always be Mickey. Uh, you know, Wiggle and Jiggle a great horse, but they'll find it's a whole different world here. Like, when they, you get the three course in 119, you, there's four horses sitting on your back. You don't have anybody capped. You know, so it's going to be tough for those horses moving up. Um, you know, Wiggler Jiglet was a great horse and did things last year I never thought could be done. But, you know, I do think it's a whole other world when they move into this group. Once again, trainer Ron Burke joining us, talking about the Harness Racing's richest pacer foiled again over $7.3 million in career earnings. And, you know, Ron, it's funny because uh, a lot of people say he had an off year last year, but he made over $430,000. And I think that'd be quite nice to have an horse with an off year and uh, make $430,000 in the season. Yeah, he didn't get off to a good start. He drew bad in a lot of races, and that's the difference. Now he needs the draw. You know, used to be four, it didn't matter. You could just power him and leave him in the middle of the racetrack. Now he needs to get away close, but not near the, on the front. And then, you know, you let him go first up and he'll still beat him, you know, or be very competitive. So, you know, he shows signs of his age, but still he's a great horse. He's a top 10 invitational pacer in the country. And, uh, you know, he loves it, sound, and, you know, obviously the people love him and we're going to keep on racing him. And you talk about the qualifier, a pretty good qualifier for the second who was somewhere in LA at the Meadowlands last week. Now, when you've got a horse of this class and when you've got a horse uh, that is 12 years old, how much emphasis uh, are we to put on the on that qualifier? That's what I said. Qualifiers with him mean nothing. I mean, they're basically just letting him go around there and do what he wants to do. When you want him to do it, you ask him and you push him and he'll you know dig it deep. And, uh, I, you know, I'm sure in that qualifier he could even have got by that horse if, you know, Yannick would have got into him and, that, you know, made it pace. But, you know, we're just looking to get two good miles in him, and then he'll get one good training mile Saturday, come back with light miles, you know, Wednesday, and then it's Levy time, and it's time to go. Now, Ron, uh, coming up in 2016, obviously a lot of big events, a lot of great events. Uh, do, you, do you have a plan for him, or are you going to kind of let Foiled again kind of tell you uh, what he's ready for and what he's not? He's basically eligible to everything. And so, you know, as long as he's continued to race, but I'll continue to enter it. Like, even though on some of the tracks he won't be the favorite, he'll always be in the position to get checks. And some of the races, you know, these horses have to race him on his tracks. He's still the best little track horse in the country. I honestly believe that. He's, he's going to be tough, you know, he's relentless, and he just horses can't take the, the heat that he usually puts on them. So, 
you know, it, it is a wait and see with him, but, like, my whole plan is this year to, you know, have 24 or five starts again and then all be stake races all those Ron, it looks like the plan, like you said, is maybe to go forward to the George Morton Levy uh, Memorial at Yonkers. Uh, how many others uh you plan on putting in this year in the Levy? I'm going to have five, five to start with it. And, uh, you know, hopefully they'll all get along and get around it. And, I, you know, hopefully we'll have enough divisions that I can race all mine without having to start giving them too many weeks off. I wouldn't mind giving them each a week off during the thing. And then, you know, hopefully I'll get two in the final, two in the consolation, and one in the last consolation. That's you know, my plan every year, you know, last year was kind of disappointing. And, uh, you know, hopefully this year I've got a better group than last year. Ron, uh, one thing I've noticed about Foiled again is just the amount of heart that he has. He can really, really fight. And it was, has he always been like that? I never, I didn't follow him when he was younger years, but has he always been that kind of a fighter? Yeah, pretty much. Since, you know, had, like, if you get to your will, he's going to, you know, be, you know, he just he leans on horses and horses can't take it. You know, horses that are better than him in reality just can't beat him because he'll just grind them down and he's relentless. And I, you know, obviously, if the horse is on his way to eight million dollars, you know, he's had you know, it's been big purse years and stuff. But you know, the next one's like four million behind him. You know, the next pacer, so it's not like it's a fluke. Ron Burke, one final question for you. I mean, he's uh, 12 years old now. How how long does uh, Foiled again go? He's still 14, and maybe in uh, amateurs when he's 15. I mean, I really have nothing <laughs> else what we would do with him. He loves it, and uh, you know, he makes money, and that the people love watching him race. And being honest, we love racing him. Like, he's the barn favorite. You know, you go into the barn, he's always there. He's miserable when you come up to him, and then as soon as you get hold of him, he's happy as can be. And, you know, as soon as he hits the track, could not love it more. Trainer Ron Burke of Foiled again, perhaps uh, the greatest pacer of all time. Ron, we certainly appreciate you joining us, buddy. Good luck uh, this weekend and uh, with Foiled again in the uh, coming season. Thank you very much. All right, that was trainer Ron Burke talking about the great one, Mike Foiled again, and you know, I mean, words just can't describe how great this pacer is, and this is a horse that just keeps going. And like I say, a lot of people call it an off year for Foiled again last year, and he made over $430,000. And uh, I don't know about you, Mike, but I'd love to have a horse with an off year to make over 430000 Yeah, that's the truth. I tell you, he, you know, this is. And we were talking a little bit before the show. This is going to be the first year that I actually physically get to see Foiled again, and I couldn't be more excited. It's going to be a, it's going to be a good year for Foiled again, and uh. It's going to be interesting to see what he does. All right. We've got so much more left to go on this program. We've been at a frantic pace so far. It's already 20 past the hour. When we come back, Mike, we're going to have one of the great handicapping uh, harness racing minds out there, Dave Brower. And I can't want an interview certainly that I can't uh, wait for. We've also got Jimmy Tack, their Hall of Fame trainer. He's going to be joining us, as well as the voice of Rosecroft Raceway, Pete Meadows. Pete's going to talk a little bit about the uh, upcoming season. Uh, they had their opening day Tuesday at Rosecroft. It was a very, very good racing day. And he's going to tell us a little bit about what we can expect throughout the 2016 meet at Rosecroft. You've got post time with Mike and Mike. We'll be back in just a moment. Post time with Mike and Mike would like to invite you to join us in positively promoting the sport of harness racing. Our advertising rates are extremely reasonable, and if you sign up for a one-month sponsorship package now, you get one week free. free. That's right, one week free. free. For more information on how you can sponsor Post Time with Mike and Mike, 
Please email us at ptmikeandmike at yahoo.com. Also, follow us on social media, on Facebook, Post Time with Mike and Mike. Also on Twitter at ptmikeandmike1. Every dream has a start. And this one is ours. To trot and pace fast. Faster than all the others. And maybe faster than any horse ever has. With every stride, 1,200 pounds of pure equine determination. In every turn, there's a tale. Every bet is a hope. No five-year returns, no annuities, 401ks. Return on investment comes in seconds. Maybe they say that the odds are against you. But you know nothing great comes easy. Winners don't second-guess. They sprint through openings and dig in deeper when the going's tough. No horse ever rides alone. The owners, the driver, the groom, and you... There are no sidelines here. The world is often full of many compromises, but not here. Not on this day. Not in this race. Not with this horse. Not in this sport. Once you feel it, it becomes you. Once you become it, your dream becomes ours. This is Harness Racing. We welcome you to the Harness Racing Fan Zone. See it all for yourself. Feel it in all the passion. Share that experience with others. And be a part of it all. The Harness Racing Fan Zone puts you in the driver's seat. We're back post-time with Mike and Mike, Mike Bozich, along with Mike Carter. And uh, right now we're joined by one of the greatest uh, handicapping minds in the sport of harness racing, the one, the only, Dave Brower. Dave, welcome into the program, sir. Well, thank you very much, Mike. I, I almost wish you would uh, address me almost as a great broadcaster at this point. Some of my <laughs> handicapping days are a little bit behind me, but uh, we'll take whatever we can get, right? Absolutely. Listen, you're definitely one of the great broadcasters uh, of harness racing history. Of course, you're alongside with Gary Seibel for the Hamiltonian and a little brown jug broadcast in the CBS Sports Network. We're going to talk about that in a little bit, but uh, sure. let's, uh, we're going to go in depth with you a little bit, Dave. How'd you get started in the business? You know, Mike, this is a long list. I've been around harness racing since literally I'm eight or nine years old. Uh, I grew up in Passaic, New Jersey, which is about five minutes away from the Meadowlands racetrack. And I got going, you know, in harness racing like everybody else. I got going to the grandstand with my father. You know, my mother finally allowed me to go by the time I was about 11 or 12 years old. They used to have a thing called early bird wagering back then because there were no OTBs. There was no simulcasting. So you'd drive over to the track in the afternoon. They'd let you in. Uh, you could buy the night's program. You'd look over, you know, the previous night's replays and things like that. So that's how I got going you know, picking out uh, some winners and then listening to the results uh, on the radio. We actually had results on uh, both AM radio stations in the New York metropolitan area, but uh, that was just the beginning. And then really, things really kicked off when I was uh, able to attend a Harness Horse Youth Foundation camp at the Meadowlands, thanks to Steve Wolf. So, of course, I blame Steve for all my uh, further harness racing ventures. 
Now, Dave, um, sorry about that. I lost my breath for a second. That's okay. Uh, Dave, you, 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 re- you got started at the Meadowlands, but how, how did this one thing with Cal Expo kind of come about? Was it sort of because you worked with Gary uh, Seibel before, or how did you wind up at Cal Expo? Well, it actually started with the general manager out there, Chris Schick. Chris is an idea guy, and he has literally worked his tail off to uh, maintain harness racing in California. Uh, as you guys you know, may or may not know, you know, it's always a little bit of an issue with them out there, whether they're going to be able to you know, have race meets. You know, they need sponsors right now. They have Watch and Wager, you know, which is an ADW company and a bookmaking company, I think, from across the pond. Uh, Chris gave me a call. I think while I was driving, you know, driving down the highway one day and says, uh, you know, we're going to hire Gary Seibel as our announcer. I've watched you for years, and we'd love to have you uh, guys do a, do a little segment, you know, via Skype each night for our pick four, you know, which is usually on the last four races. And uh, over the last couple of years, we've grown that up to such an incredible following. I think we've doubled or tripled our, our Facebook followers on the Cal Expo page, which I operate. Uh, you know, we also, you know, I tweet, you know, just about every night when we have that. We have the free PPs. And, you know, Gary and I, we're kind of proud of that, guys, because we've got a lot of interaction. We give uh, people shout-outs if they post their tickets. Um, and we've had, you know, we've had pools in that pick four. And remember, this is a 20-cent bet. This isn't like a dollar or $2 bet. It's a 20-cent increment. We've had over $50,000. So, you know, that, oh, wow. that's nothing to laugh about. And anytime you can, you know, throw up 10 or 20 bucks, you know, and get a shot at a payoff of a couple thousand dollars when you get a couple long shots, that's what it's all about. Plus, everybody enjoys hearing their name on the air. Gary and I, you know, we're naturals. We've been doing this for a long time, uh, and we make it fun. You know, we potentially make it profitable. We throw out our opinions. We listen to everybody else's, and uh, it's just been a whole lot of fun. The difficult part for me, living here in New Jersey, though, of course, is staying awake till 12:30 or one in the morning, but uh, you know, an, an extra cup of coffee, you know, we get it done. Yeah, the time change is certainly tough. You know, one of the things that I notice a lot of racetracks are doing, and it seems like it's being successful, Dave, is is what you've just talked about the interactive. Um, you know, basically being interactive on the internet with picks and, you know, the pick four, it's a great thing out there. You know, a lot of time, a lot of times by the time your guys' pick four is going off, everything's pretty much wrapping up on the East coast. And, you know, especially with uh, Chicago racing a limited schedule right now, it's really had to play into your guys' favor, but you know, Dave, the question that I have, and it has to be a little bit different handicapping Cal Expo as opposed to the tracks out here, because a lot of tracks out East, uh, especially in the, you know, in the early spring and the summertime you've got all these different racetracks going and you know with the slot infused purses you have a lot of horses coming from everywhere going from Pocono to Chester going from from Harris Philly to to the Meadowlands and going to Yonkers but at Cal Expo you know once you're out there it's kind of on an island of sorts because once these horses are out there there really isn't a whole lot if any place to go as far as to race so what is the difference in handicapping a card or even a race at Cal Expo versus is handicapping a race out east. Well, Mike, I'm glad you, I'm glad you brought that up because there's a couple answers to that question. Um, number one, first of all, it's a mile track, and you know that, that's kind of what I grew up on. You know, a lot of the people in our game, you know, that may be a little bit older than us, they're used to the Yonkers and Roosevelt half mile track and stuff like that. Well, I grew up, you know, handicapping a mile track. Now, you talk about a certain pool of horses, and this is where you know guys like Chris Schick, you know, and Ben Kenny out there have really worked hard to get 
an ample horse supply to fill carts. And it's, it's really not easy. It's much harder than it actually appears. And the director of racing out there, racing secretary, Robin Shad, has done a tremendous job in her first couple of years there of putting these races together so we can get 11, 12, 13 race cards of, you know, some, some fields are full, some aren't, you know, that, that's just the way it's going to be. But you, you just, after watching them over a period of time, you get to know the class differences. And you get to know whether there's a barn change here or there or a driver switch where some guys may be able to wake a horse up. But it's a seasonal thing. You know, the Cal Expo meet runs for six months. This year I think we started at Halloween, and it runs till the first week in May. So it's usually Halloween to Kentucky Derby Day. And right about now is when some of the horses are going to start leaving Sacramento, California. You know, some of the bigger barns, you know, they're going to come back east you know, to race at Pocono or your place, Harris, Chester, you know, and stuff like that. So, you know, our moment in the sun of having super full fields is probably about to end in the next couple of weeks. But it's not easy. It's been very, very challenging. Uh, The weather has a lot to do with it because uh, for the first couple of months of the meet, we had ideal conditions. And then in the last couple of weeks, we've had that El Nino kick in uh, where we've had monster rainstorms. In fact, last Saturday night at Cal Expo, they had to cancel the card after the eighth race because the rain had had just been pouring all day. The winds were gusting at almost hurricane strength, and they finally decided to wrap it up after the eighth. At least they got eight races in, you know, for the guys that, you know, that that work hard and, you know, enter out there because they they only race two days a week. It's a Saturday and Sunday product. So it's not easy. It definitely was an adjustment. But if you watch a little bit and follow, you know, you'll be able to see some patterns that will help you as a handicapper. Yeah, Dave, I saw that uh, driving rainstorm in the mutuals office at Northfield <laughs> last Saturday, and I, I could not <laughs> believe how wet the track looked. It just was uh, was unbelievable. Well, Dave, you, you've done a lot of work for the Meadowlands and uh, Cal Expo, but now let's jump ahead to your uh, work for CBS. How did, uh, how did CBS kind of reach out to you and your work for the Hamiltonian and the Jug, which you guys do a fantastic job at, by the way? Uh, how did... Uh, how did that come about? Well, thank you. I, let me just backtrack for just a second. You guys are both announcers, so you understand one thing. The, the, <laughs> the announcer's booth at Cal Expo, Gary, has to open a window to call the races. So you can imagine how drenched oh, he was geez. by the end of that night uh, on Saturday. He was probably happy they canceled, but that's another thing. The CBS thing, you know, everything comes down to the Hamiltonian Society, and it was uh, Tom Charters and Moira Fanning uh, who reached out to me uh, in 2011 you know, as I was leaving the Meadowlands and, you know, they were looking for a, a co-host for the, you know, for their one signature broadcast. And, uh, you know, I was happy to take the assignment. Gary and I have a long history of working together. We were the initiators of drive time. You know, when the, when TVG was first uh, starting to broadcast the Meadowlands, I was, you know, the on-site correspondent at the Meadowlands. Gary was in the studio out in Los Angeles. So we started that program and turned it you know, I'd like to think into the, into the success that it is. Uh, it, it's been, you know, a wonderful experience. We've been able to really show some some tremendous champions. And, you know, for me personally, it started with that first year uh, doing the Hamiltonian. And two years ago, we were lucky enough to be able to broadcast, you know, three shows on national TV. And if you guys will forgive me for making a little bit of a political statement, it went from three shows last year to just two shows where we did the Hamiltonian and we did the little brown jug, perhaps one of the greatest jugs in history. And, you know, harness racing, unfortunately it comes down to who's going to put the bill and who's going to pay the extra expenses. 
I certainly hope that the powers that be can come together so that we have, you know, more than one show this year. We're going to do the Hamiltonian, but none of the other things are guaranteed. You know, we did the Meadowlands Pace a couple of years ago. That was the fastest Meadowlands Pace ever, won by He's Watching. It was a tremendous show on all accounts. So, you know, let, let's hope everybody can come together to keep these races on TV because, as I said after the jug this past year, you guys watched it. Uh, if that race had not been on live TV, don't you think that would have been a sin? Yeah, yeah certainly. I, I, no, I, yeah, no question about it. <laughs> well, it, you know, it, it, it's very much in doubt as to whether we'll even be able to do the jug this year. You know, and, and that gets political and, you know, to a lot of people and, and, you know, the U.S. Trotting Association and all the other sponsors who are gracious enough to put up money to do it. But come on, folks, come together because you never know when harness racing's next greatest moment is going to happen. And if we're not able to bring it to you on live TV, you know, we lose a lot because it, it, it's just, you know, it's an experience that you can't replicate after it happens. Dave Brower, Dave, listen, we certainly appreciate you joining us. Uh, very, very big fan of uh, your work over the years and uh, one of the great minds of harness racing, done a terrific job broadcasting throughout the years and a real big fan of watching you and Gary Seibel get it done. You guys are the greatest, man. Certainly appreciate you joining us. All right. Thanks, Mike and Mike. We appreciate you guys keeping everything alive down there, too. You do nice work and your your social media pros. You guys know I appreciate that. All right. And by the way, Dave, where could, if somebody wants to follow you on Twitter, where could, how could they do that? Uh, it, it's one of my nicknames. It's at E-E Doogie. So I'll spell it for you. E-E-D-O-O-G-I-E. And, of course, anybody can follow me on Facebook, too. You, you can find my name right up at the top. Dave, we certainly appreciate you joining us, buddy. All right. Take care, guys. We'll see you soon, all right? All right. That was uh, Dave right. Brown, one of the one of the great handicappers uh, of our time, as well as one of the great broadcasters, uh, long-time uh, advocate of harness racing. Mike, he's uh, certainly one of a kind. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I'll tell you, he loves his food. Um, and I'll tell you why, because he helped uh, with this uh, harness racing foodies kind of Facebook group. And Mike, I'll tell you, seeing some of that stuff, I, 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 I get hungry. I'm getting hungry right now. I've seen some of that stuff pop up. So uh, it might be getting close to lunchtime. Yeah, I got a salad waiting for me, buddy. When we come back, we're going to have Pete Metters talk a little bit about Rosecroft Raceway. You've got post time with Mike and Mike. The New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program places retired racehorses into approved monitored homes and transitions them into second careers. New Vocations has placed over 350 retired standard breads the past three years. They are now accepting horses from all racetracks in the United States. New Vocations has facilities in Ohio, Kentucky, and Pennsylvania, and is expanding to New York. To learn more, visit newvocations.org and on Facebook at New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program. back to post time with Mike and Mike, Mike Carter, alongside of Mike Bozich. And coming up now to talk about Rosecroft is the Navy football announcer, the Rosecroft announcer, and uh, I'll tell you a, a little bit of all trades, Pete Medhurst. Pete, welcome to the show, bud. Guys, how are you? You're making me hungry there. <laughs> Not too bad. Well, Pete, uh, 
talk to us a little bit about opening night at Rosecroft. I know you guys were on TVG and uh, you guys had some uh, decently priced winners. The big price uh, that I saw was in the first race. So you guys opened it up with uh, some nice racing. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought for opening night, I mean, we were lucky. We got 65-degree weather on opening night, clear skies. And, uh, you know, that's all you could hope for this time of the year. And we found good success on Tuesday nights as we've tried to rebuild the product here over uh, the, the past couple of years. And, you know, we you just got to keep taking, you know, incremental baby steps. And I thought Tuesday night – uh, was a great way to get started. We had uh, great publicity from Tom Cassidy and, De- and uh, Dave Weaver on uh, TVG. Did some great interacting with those guys on social media, and uh, it was uh, it was a it was a nice car with some terrific wind pools uh, that were significantly higher than we normally get. And uh, hopefully, uh, we can keep those positive trends uh, going because, uh, you know, as you all know, you can have Nihilator or Nick's Fantasy. It doesn't matter what the horse's name is. You need full fields. You need people that want to bet. And uh, I thought uh, having a full car the other night, that was a great way to get things going. Now, Pete, when you guys are on TVG, there definitely has to be uh, a big difference in handle. Uh, and I know you guys have altered your schedule a little bit. Now, you guys are Tuesday and Sunday, right? Correct. We're going to go Sunday at 440. Um, you know, I've for very politely through the last couple of years, I've been begging uh, Chris Backerly from Penn National uh, with RG and Lisa Watts, can we just try something different other than Saturday night? Because, uh, I mean, you guys have both filled in there before. You know there's a huge difference between uh, Tuesday when there's not as much competition out there and Saturday when, uh, you know, the big M's rolling $3 million, uh, through their coffers. And, uh, <laughs> Uh, Woodbine or Mohawk are open, and Yonkers is going. I mean, there's just so much product out there that you're competing with on a Saturday night. So, I mean, this is the litmus test. I've been begging for it, and hopefully uh, I think we see a significant rise over what our Saturday uh, handle was. As you get into that late afternoon, uh, there again, you run into much less uh, competition, but you have people in your building who have been betting uh, thoroughbreds uh, for the most part throughout the afternoon, and you hope to take advantage of some of that crowd uh, lingering around for the 4:40 post time. And you know, by 6:30, it's basically us Pompano and Pocono uh, for the most part uh, on Sunday nights uh, throughout the spring. So I think uh, I, I think it's a great opportunity uh, given to us by Penn National, uh, willing to make that change and, and see what kind of direction uh, that we can go. I've already seen the proof for Sunday's card, and again, it's full fields. It's it's opportunity for the uh, betting public, uh, so I think you, you can get some good prices on Sunday's card, uh, just as we did uh, this past Tuesday, where, you know, I mean, having Pat Barry down here to drive certainly helps. Um, eventually, we're going to get Sean Beer uh, back as well uh, after the third night of racing uh, down here, which is going to uh, help the product uh, as well. I mean, it makes your driving colony that much deeper, uh, and I think the, another thing that helps gain you value on the tote board uh, as we saw the other night, not many nights you're going to get hot heart at uh, 13 to one winning the open. Yeah, definitely. Well, Pete, uh, real quick, uh, before we let you go, uh, what do you, what do we have to look forward to at Rosecroft? I know some of the sire stakes are coming up towards the end of the season, but, uh, what, what else could we possibly look forward to, uh, coming up? Any more 700 to one shots? <laughs> well, uh, as our man Russ Adams uh, in his Facebook group uh, with a competition, uh, we all picked uh, what's going to be the highest win mutual. I'm not sure we're going to get uh, Jada Queen at $745. The, the incredible thing was is somebody on track had a dollar to win in place, 
on that horse and the horse in that race that finished second, which was uh, even more uh, impossible to believe. My man Joe Bassett is one of the great handicappers out there on a nightly basis at Rosecroft Raceway. Uh, he actually had a dollar to win on Jada Queen, which is just out of the three. <laughs> there were three dollars in the win pool uh, on the horse. I, I, you know, I think what's happened here through the years, the Tuesday cards, we've seen a noticeable difference, especially when Dover closes and Harrington opens. You get a lot more of the Delaware folk who want to come over because they don't want to go on the half-mile track. And if you look at our Tuesday night purses now, and our purses in general, I mean, our minimum purse is going to be $5,000. You know, I'm watching races from Western Fair last night going for 3400 And, you know, so, I mean, from our purse structure, it's a great opportunity for horsemen. Uh, say you're you're banging your head at Harris and you, you can't get anything done at Chester. Knows the competition there uh, on a daily basis is, is terrific. So maybe you got a horse that's finished in fifth, sixth, you know, and pacing 154 and just not getting uh, checks for his money, for his effort. Now, uh, I think you're going to be able to come to Rosecroft and bring that horse down to Rosecroft, even if it's just for a breather or two to figure out some things, try a different rigging on him, get him right uh, before you try to send him back up the road. So I think there's going to be great opportunities for horsemen, you know, with those, you know, maybe second string horses, so much, somewhat to say in their barn uh, that can't, you know, get a victory at Pocono or Chester or the Meadowlands right now. I think Rosecross could be a great alternative uh, for owners and trainers uh, in situations like that because, I mean, the other night our Open went for $12,000, and that's the way it's going to be uh, pretty much uh, throughout the meet. So I think from that standpoint, I think the opportunity is really there for the uh, for the trainer and the owner uh, to find a, a quality purse to race for and uh, maybe not necessarily bang your head like you have to do uh, in Pennsylvania uh, just to get a check, let alone uh, get a victory. All right. The one and only Pete Matters, the voice of Rosecroft Raceway, the voice of Navy football. Pete, we certainly appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to join us here today. Boys, you're the best. Keep it up. Appreciate it. All right. That was Pete Matters, the voice of Rosecroft Raceway. And uh, our busy whirlwind show continues. We're going to take a short time out. When we come back, we're going to have Hall of Fame trainer Jimmy Tactor. You've got post time with Mike and Mike. This is Mike Bozich with Harness Racing's newest podcast, Post Time with Mike and Mike. Our goal is to positively promote the sport of harness racing. Every horse has a story to tell, whether a claimer or a stake source, and we plan on telling those stories here on this program. If you would like to advertise on Post Time with Mike and Mike, send us an email at ptmikeandmike at yahoo.com for more information. Also, like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at PT Mike and Mike One. Listen to a brand new broadcast every Thursday at 1 p.m. Any prior episodes can be listened on demand as well. Log on to www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash PT Mike and Mike. Once again, that's www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash PT Mike and Mike. And thanks so much for listening. Welcome back to Post Time with Mike and Mike. Mike Carter alongside of Mike Bozich, and we're joined now by trainer Jimmy Tactor. And, Jimmy, first off, thanks uh, for taking time out of your busy day to join us. Yeah, thank you very much. Now, Jimmy, you're coming off your second straight $13 million season. Uh, how are the horses uh, training leading up to the big stake season? So far, I, I'm very pleased. Uh, we 
had a, actually this year a beautiful winter up north, so it, it hasn't, uh, you know, the weather the last two years been so tough, you know. So the horses are uh, right where I want them, and uh, they look like a nice group of uh, three-year-olds, a nice group of two-year-olds, and uh, each horse is coming back very good. Jimmy, Mike Bozich here for such a long time, and it seems like a couple of decades now. You've been right at the top of the game, especially uh, with, as far as trotters are concerned. Tell us a little bit about how you got started, the early informative years of one Jimmy Tactic. Well, I'm, I'm from a horse family. My father was uh, you know, a really good trainer in Europe, and uh, uh, I came over here in 1982, late end of 82, and uh, started working for Nordin Stable, and I worked for them for two years. And uh, after that, we started our own, and uh, graduates, we got better and better horses. And uh, so, you know, last 10 years, we, we've done very well. You know, back in that, uh, you know, maybe the late 80s, mid 80s, did you ever think that it would turn into what it has and the success that you have right now? Did you ever did you ever see that in your crystal ball? Yes and no. I mean, of course, you, you, you know how tough this game is and you've got to keep up to it. But, you know, I mean, we... I always know I had ability, and it's just to, to get the respect and get the you know the best owners you know and uh, and which I have. I mean you know we have a fantastic group of owners, and uh, you know they they are absolutely the best, and uh, they uh, buying the best possible horses for me. And uh, you know I st- I build up a really great organization. I have great people that. Uh, you know, help me out and uh, buying horses, and uh, you know, I'm, it's a whole organization that make us uh, as strong as we are. You know, Jimmy, it all really started back in the early '90s. I mean, some of the great horses that I remember in, in my youth and growing up, the Mister Levesque, Malabar Man, Money Maker. Take us a little bit through that period and talk about some of those great horses. Yeah, that was you know the big beginning. I'm mean, you know, of course, Money Maker had a big impact on my life. I'm mean, you know, that's really you know, come in at the right time. I was probably started to be mature enough to be able to handle the feeling like that. And, uh, and uh, you know, with Malabar Man and, you know, and uh, Malabar Man, Miss Lavec was a little bit earlier, but, you know, but, uh, you know, those horses, they, they meant a lot. And uh, you put yourself on the map. And that's, uh, it's very important that you don't drag it out too long before you start to come up with some good horses because they, you can be very fast forgotten in this game. Uh, absolutely, and that, you know, you then you go through the early two thousands, and you know, the, I mean, the the great horses and the string of great horses they have just continued. I mean, Cadabra, Tom Ridge, Passionate Glide, Global Glide. I mean, these, you know, going through the two thousands. Take us through that period a little bit. I mean, was it much of the same as the nineties? Yeah, you know, I mean, as you go, you know, I think you know, as uh, uh, as a trainer, I mean, when you started coming in the forties, and uh, you've done a lot of mistakes, and. Uh, you kind of grow yourself, you know, and, you know, like I see myself today. I mean, I, I'm a little bit uh, cooler than I used to be. I can, uh, I know exactly where I'm supposed to be and things like that. You know, I, you know, before you, you really try to find yourself, you know, and, and uh, as, as time go, you, you get a little better and you, and, and of course confidence has to do with, too, you know, I mean, you believe in yourself, and uh, that's important in uh, anything you do, basically. Jimmy, let's talk Cadabra for a minute. Uh, Cadabra's produced some very strong foals. Uh, what do you attribute to that success uh, from Cadabra? 
first of all, Cadabra was a fantastic horse. He was uh, one of those horses that uh, uh, stand out quite a bit because, I mean, his his determination was just unbelievable. I've never been around uh, too many horses that had that, uh, you know, willingness. I mean, he's, uh, you know, when he lost the race, he was actually quite depressed himself. I mean, you know, he, he knows what he's supposed to do. And, you know, I think, you know, big part of his uh, breeding success is, is because he's, He's basically totally outcrossed. I mean, he's he's very street bred, you know. I mean, he's uh, he don't really have too much uh, royal blood in him. I mean, oh, you know, I mean, Primrose Lane and out of a, a trotting happy mare. I mean, you know, it's 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 really making him to be open the door for a lot of uh, purebred horses, which I think, uh, you know, because we are in breeding, we kind of breed ourselves in a corner. We are very close in breeding, and now Cadabra been very important to that. I mean, you know, that's why I think Cadabra Phil is going to be extremely, extremely important to have. And uh, because, uh, you know, you can mix them up uh, with a lot of, uh, you know, like a new blood here, like, uh, well, it's not new, but, uh, you know, Muscle Hill is like, uh, looks like now it's uh, established himself to the speed uh, and the Cantabore line, you know, I mean, it's things like that. Uh, uh, Cadabra going to be important. Visiting with Hall of Fame trainer Jimmy Tactor. Jimmy, let's fast forward to the last couple of years and some of the great horses you've had over the past couple of years. And we'll start with uh, Father Patrick, a Breeders' Crown champion at age two and three. Uh, retired in mid-August of last year. What was behind that decision to retire Father Patrick? He came back really good. I mean, he, he won uh, in the Chester and Maxi Lee's trot there. And, uh, and uh, we raced in a couple of starts. And, I mean, he raced good. He raced against GL Cruz, which was very sharp then. And but I know it was something bothering him because, I mean, nothing take away from GL Cruz. Uh, I mean, you know, Father Patrick, he's, he's, he wasn't really himself. And every week I raced him, he got gradually a little worse. And eventually it was really bad. So we, we couldn't find anything really. So I took him up to Cornell, and he had a deep uh, lung infection. And... Uh, and that really affected him, especially, you know, the last eight. And he started, you know, really get complication from it. So we had no choice but uh, stop with him. And uh, and now he's standing stud, you know. So it was unfortunately because uh, I know how good horse this horse. And uh, unfortunately, you know, I think he could have been a horse that, uh, you know, uh, would establish himself to be uh, one of the unique ones. Yeah, and, uh, you know, one of the things that maybe a lot of our listeners don't know about Father Patrick was that he actually was performing double duty there. He was a racehorse and a stallion. Now he's a, a full-time stud. Talk a little bit about that process. I know, Jimmy, that's a lot. That's something that happens a lot more frequently overseas than it does over here about, uh, you know, doing double duty like that. Is that something that you think maybe we'll see more of in the States as time goes on? Well, you know, I mean... You know, we had no option. I mean, you know, as, uh, I thought it was a great idea. You know, I mean, the horse, uh, uh, you know, normally a horse like that would stand stud, uh, you know, as, after the three-year-old season. Because, I mean, you know, the business is, you know, we have a horse like that and you can, uh, you know, always hurt his value by raising him. You're not going to increase the value much more than the, after the three-year-old season. But, uh, you know, so... Then I came up with idea to you know well, let's let's try to breeding him and uh, and uh, training him and see what happened and and everything worked out good. I don't think that had anything to do with him uh, why he got sick. I mean, you know, that's uh, 
but he he was he was happy to you know do his duty. I mean, you know, he you know we had the one rich farm which is just five six miles down the road, and so it it, it worked out very good. So if it's going to be a role that uh, we have that the horses. Uh, cannot uh, stand stud as a four-year-old. Uh, I think this is something we have to because I got lucky that the horse had have a great fertility and he's able to do what he did. You know, some horses cannot do it. So, you know, it's, so uh, it worked out very good. I think we bred 60 mares and I have, have a, a great group in fold. So it's going to be interesting. Now, Jimmy, let's talk Always Be Mickey for a second. I know uh, he had a little bit of trouble, obviously, and was scratched from the Breeders' Crown a couple of years ago. But I'll tell you, he really came back strong. And uh, that qualifier at the Red Mile, uh, the race secretary where I used to work at Buffalo was also the charter at the Red Mile. And uh, I called him after the qualifier, and he was just floored by how good Always Be Mickey was. Uh, how good is he, and his, how is he training back? He coming back awesome. I mean, you know, I got the word from Joe Holloway last year, and uh, you know, and and uh, you know, we started from scratch basically. I mean, he had this injury in his left hind ankle, and everything was going great. I mean, he he got a little bit better and better as we went, and uh, just about when I had him ready to start a race, he fractured off his head leg, so I had to start from scratch. But when he did that on the other leg, he actually came back better. He's he's. Uh, you know, I mean, it could have been something that being going on on him, even on the right side. So, uh, but now he's he's fantastic. I, uh, you know, I I'm looking forward. I I don't think ever had a horse I look forward to racing more than this horse. He is uh, unfortunately we when we had him as the best. You know, I mean, how good he was in American National after British Crown. You wish you had a few more starts to do. Now you have to shut it down and bring him back again. But. Uh, you know, I don't wish it's, uh, if 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 he work out like I think he will, uh, you know, he's going to really make history this year. Well, we've got some great other horses, too, Jimmy. We've got Pure Country all the time, Wild Honey. Uh, of course, Pinkman, uh, the bank, who I believe is racing overseas now. Give us a little bit of a preview from what we can expect from this powerhouse stable in 2016. Well, you know, I mean, uh, Pure Country coming back really good. I mean, you know, we were very proud of her performance last year she just kept on getting better and better and she looked like one of those type of fillies that are serious uh, and the, and the trotting filly all the time you know she's really nice coming back good you know unfortunately she actually had a little colic so we had to open up a stomach in uh, December but everything looked good there I don't think you're going to put it back too much and uh, you know three-year-olds unfortunately we have uh, you know, a bunch of horses that actually were sick had a lot of problems last year, and they're coming back really good. So a lot of names that people don't know. We have a colt out of uh, Solveig and Cantabal that just raced two, three start last year, and it was battled with sickness all the time. I think it's going to be very special. It's actually named after me, Jimmy Williams. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a gr- solid group of uh, three-year-olds that uh, – did not do so much as a two-year-old, so that uh, could be interesting to see what they're going to do this year. But uh, the stable is good. Pinkman coming back, very good. Shaky Carey coming back, awesome. And uh, we have Triatine also. It looked like he, he's going to be a serious contender. So, you know, it looked, it looked like uh, we have a potential great year again. What's left to accomplish for Jimmy Tactor? I mean, you've pretty much uh, won every major stakes race. Is there anything left that you'd like to accomplish? 
I like I, I have a couple seconds in both North American Cup and Midlands Pace, and uh, and uh, you know so it's it's those two stakes I uh, you know haven't won, and uh, uh, you know I, I like to have the best pacer. Um, you know I think I can do it with uh, Mickey. That's going to be very interesting. So you know that's going to be extremely exciting to you know because those horses are just fantastic. That group of pacers they are to me as exciting to see as. Uh, the best trotters, so maybe even more. And one final question for you, Jimmy. Any advice to uh, young trainers coming up in this business? I mean, you've accomplished it all pretty much. Any advice that you can pass on to some of the younger guys in the industry? Yeah, I, I'm really shocked. I've been here for uh, 33 years, and I really get very few phone calls from young people that want to work for uh, successful trainers, and that's something they do much, much more in Europe. I'm, you know, I worked for my father, which was one of the greatest, and I worked for Sorin Odin, which was also one of the greatest. A good base and learn from uh, great trainers. I, you know, I would spend a couple of years with uh, uh, at least two trainers, two or three trainers in uh, in, the cal- in top caliber, and try to pick up as much you can, because it's going it's a long road to be a top trainer if you're gonna try to learn by yourself, because that's. Uh, you pick up so much from other people. I pick up from people all the time and learning from other people. You've got to have an open mind and if you want to be successful. Last year, Jimmy, you said that uh, you were going to start cutting back your operations a little bit. Is that something that still stands? or? Yes, I did. I, I You know, and uh, I didn't even participate in uh, Harrisburg. I, you know, something happened to me in the fall. I really just, you know... Uh, went right into a wall. I, 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 you know, I, I felt like basically I, I thought I was dying and I was in really bad shape and uh, and uh, I had to start thinking. I, you know, I got to start to take care of myself. So, you know, running a stable of uh, 80, 85 horses, it's really too much for me anyway. I'm, you know, I, I admire people like uh, Burke and uh, those guys that can have that kind of big stable they have, but it's not me because. I'm really a, bit, a little bit too much personal for every individual horse, and and and, and your mind cannot uh, function. And I try to go to every single race, and I try to participate as much as I can. And you're you're running out of energy, and I, you know, done it here in a, in a hard pace for 33 years. And and uh, last year, I, uh, it was a little bit too much. Hall of Fame trainer Jimmy Tacker. Jimmy, listen, we certainly appreciate you taking time to join us here on Post Time with Mike and Mike. And uh, you know what? Listen, it's a thrill watching you the last couple of years, watching you through the decades, as a matter of fact, with all these great trotters and paces. And uh, we certainly look forward to uh, another exciting year in 2016. Hey, thank you guys for having me, and uh, good luck now. All right. Thank you very much. That was Hall of Fame trainer Jimmy Tacker. Jimmy, one of the best uh, if not the best uh, trainers of all time, Mike Carter. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, just a long list of great horses going all the way back to the uh, late 80s and early 90s. And uh, it's only, I'll tell you, in my opinion, it, the best could be yet to come because, once again, he's got such a great stable. You've got Pure Country, one of my favorite horses, coming up uh, as she's going to make her three-year-old debut. And you've got, uh, you know, Pinkman and the Bank and Wild Honey. The list goes on and on. Yeah, definitely. And he's got a strong stable. And I'll tell you, I didn't even know he was sick. And it's interesting to hear him uh, talk about that a little bit. And But I'll tell you, he, he still got the powerhouse stable. And he's always been very, very good with trotters. I admire the work that Jimmy Tactor does. Well, and that's one of the things, Mike. I mean, you, you kind of have to know 
win is win, you know, and I mean, there are so many horses, and really his stable, I mean, just, I don't want to say it grew overnight, but I mean, all of a sudden you had so many great horses, and Jimmy Tactor, I mean, just dominated over the past couple of years, and I mean, won six of uh, 12 Breeders' Crown races, just had a great day there, and, and now, you know, a lot of different paces are coming into the mix as well as long with Trotters, of course, Jimmy, a, a well-known uh, trotting legend, but, uh, you know, and like he said, he had a stable of 85, and and a lot of times, you know, when you get into the daily grind, especially in the horse racing business, Mike, when you get in the daily grind, you kind of forget what's really important. And, you know, Jimmy kind of had that revelation, and it's good to see he's cutting back. But I'll tell you what, just because he's cutting back, Mike, doesn't mean you're not going to hear from him. That's the truth. He's got a lot of great horses, and I am super excited to see what uh, what Always Be Mickey has this year in the uh, stable. Well, it's 2.01, Mike Carter, and that means we're going into overtime. We're going to put a wrap on this thing. we got a couple of more things we want to talk about. We certainly appreciate everybody joining us, and uh, especially thanks to all our guests. So we're going to wrap this thing up. A couple of more things we want to talk about. We'll take one short, one more short time out. You've got post time with Mike and Mike. Every dream has a start, and this one is ours. To trot and pace fast faster than all the others, and maybe faster than any horse ever has. With every stride, 1,200 pounds of pure equine determination. In every turn, there's a tale. Every bet is a hope. No five-year returns, no annuities, 401ks. Return on investment comes in seconds. Maybe they say that the odds are against you. But you know nothing great comes easy. Winners don't second guess. They sprint through openings and dig in deeper when the going's tough. No horse ever rides alone. The owners, the driver, the groom, and you. There are no sidelines here. The world is often full of many compromises, but not here. Not on this day. Not in this race. Not with this horse. Not in this sport. Once you feel it, it becomes you. Once you become it, your dream becomes ours. This is Harness Racing. We welcome you to the Harness Racing Fan Zone. See it all for yourself. Feel it in all the passion. Share that experience with others and be a part of it all. The Harness Racing Fan Zone puts you in the driver's seat. Welcome back to Post Time with Mike and Mike. Mike Carter alongside of Mike Bozich, and we have had an action-packed show. If you've missed any of the show, don't forget, you can check us out on iTunes in the podcast section. Uh, you can check us out right here on blogtalkradio.com. The archive will be up immediately following this show. But, uh, Mike, we want to talk a little bit about the Dan Patch Awards real quick and the World Driving Championships, which Yannick Jingra didn't waste any time. He scored a couple of victories on the opening day program. But uh, I'll tell you, there's been some very competitive racing going on uh, overseas. Yeah, and down in Australia. As a matter of fact, there's only two more days left in the International All-Star Series. I think Saturday's the last day. And uh, right now, uh, as the point 
standings are. I think Brett Miller is currently fourth. Shingra dropped back a little bit to fifth. But like I said, there's still a couple of days to go. Corey Callahan is in eighth, and the leader is Kieran Manning. Dexter Dunn, who got a lot of uh, press, uh, one of the better drivers overseas, is currently second in New Zealand. And they've got them uh, divided up into groups, the Victoria versus the World. And right now, uh, they've got uh, 235.5. Our guys are a part of the World group. And they've got 514. But two days is a long time to go, and we're certainly going to keep tabs on that, Mike. Yeah, definitely. Dexter Dunn, one of the uh, better drivers overseas. But, Mike, I saw a video, uh, Harness Racing Victoria posted, right up in the announcer's booth with the announcer at the uh, one track that um, that they are having the uh, championships at. And I'll tell you, it was a lot of fun and uh, really interesting to see how he had the microphone set up as well as the binoculars. Yeah, I saw that. That was definitely kind of weird. It was kind of like the old-style mic, and it was on a little bit of a – well, it was on a stand, and it looked like there was like two or three mics there. And then, of course, he yeah, had the binoculars and, and all that. So, uh, it, And it was on like a little bit of a, I guess, a turntable, for lack of a better word, but uh, certainly interesting uh, to see uh, him call the race. And uh, the Dan Patch Awards, Mike, uh, of course, they had already announced the winners uh two or three months prior, but they did have the dinner last Saturday down in Florida. And, uh, you know, no surprises, some great speeches there. Uh, maybe next week we'll have a clip of uh, a great speech down there given by Joanne Looney King, who was the, uh, who won the good guy award. But of course, uh, you know, no surprises, obviously, uh, the, you know, the fantastic performers, uh, Pinkman won Toronto of the year, best three-year-old male. Jimmy Tactor was trainer of the year for the fifth time, second straight, I believe. And uh, Dave Miller was driver of the year. A big uh, night for the teams, Mike, of course, uh, is uh, George Teague, one owner of the year, Wiggle It, Jiggle It, Horse of the Year, Pacer of the Year, three-year-old male Pacer of the Year, Montreal Teague, the Rising Star Award winner, Mike Taylor, Big Mike Taylor. Give Big Mike some love. Caretaker of the Year Award, certainly well-deserved. And uh, a lot of other great awards. Our good friend Gabe Pruitt was the Breakthrough Award winner. Uh, Hanover Shoe Farm CEO uh, Jim Simpson uh, got an award, uh, the Stanley Bergstein uh, Proximity Achievement Award, as long as uh, as well as Breeder of the Year. I think Hanover Shoe Farms got that, and uh, Joanne Young from the, uh, I believe she's from the museum, uh, was uh, the Unsung Hero Award. So many, many uh, great awards. Everybody well deserving, and uh, some great speeches given out. Maybe next week we'll have some clips from those speeches, Mike. Yeah, it was definitely a good night. Of course, our good buddy Gabe Pruitt taking the breakthrough award as well. And just, you know, it was a, from what I hear, it was a really good time. Uh, the Hamiltonian Society and the Harness Riders did a fantastic job uh, putting all that together. And hopefully, I want to get down there one of these years, and uh, hopefully I can get down there next year. Well, that'd be nice. And uh, who knows, maybe, uh, maybe, maybe next year we'll, uh, we'll have a couple of microphones and maybe we could be broadcasting from there next year. Who knows? But, but honestly, uh, very, very uh, big kudos, especially to the Teagues. Wiggle it, jiggle it. Uh, he's going to be uh, making his four-year-old debut, I would imagine, in the not-so-distant future. Uh, qualified at Dover last week and uh, finished third. Made a little bit of a misstep around that final turn, but was up seven uh, at uh, Dover. So I uh, look forward to uh, Wiggle It, Jiggle It, perhaps in the qualifying box pretty soon. And uh, But congratulations to uh, all the guys and gals, the Dan Patch Award winners. Well, well-deserved from uh, each and every individual who took down an award. Yeah, I completely agree. Well, Mike, uh, real quick, before we log off here, uh, you guys are getting ready to start. So I want to give uh, Harris Philadelphia a little bit of a plug. And uh, what, what do we have to look forward to uh, there? I know you guys are getting some new stake races and uh, 
some big things to come. Yeah, it's going to be a fantastic meet. It starts April 1st, 150 days of racing. Days like this, where actually I would have done the show outside, Mike, uh, if it uh, weren't for uh, you know living about 50 feet from train tracks. But uh, it, what a, a fantastic day. The warm weather, it's 75 degrees outside. It was very warm yesterday here in the, uh, I guess, the Philly metropolitan area. I'm only about uh, 35, 40 minutes south of that point. So uh, the warm weather is certainly uh, giving me the inch, making me look forward to racing. I know Mohegan Sun at Pocono is getting ready to start. They had qualifiers just a couple of days ago, so they're getting ready to kick off uh, in warm weather you've got all the great horses starting to qualify now starting to get ready uh for the big uh, 2016 racing season it's going to be a fun fun racing season and we are teaching every one of you to log on with us post time with mike and mike if you'd like us on facebook follow us on twitter because we will certainly keep you up to date on all the uh, great races not only in the states mike but overseas as well yeah, definitely. We're uh, we're planning a not a trip to I was going to say a trip to the Elite Lop. Man, I'll tell you that that would be a fun trip. But uh, we plan on doing an Elite Lop show. Are you fitting that bill? Yeah, I'll fit. I'll foot the bill. How about that? Uh, we're talking about sure. doing an Elite Lop show uh, where uh, one of us will call the Elite Lop uh, in English, uh, as it was be is will be called in Swedish overseas. And we got a lot of big things coming up in the uh, uh, in the distant future that we're going to. Uh, Bring to you. All you got to do is follow us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. Uh, the U.S. Trotting Association has been great working with us, and uh, our press release is there. So, Mike, we've got a big year coming up for uh, Post Time with Mike and Mike. Yeah, we certainly do. And we want to thank all of the guests uh, that came on today and all the guests that, you know, I mean, listen, Mike, uh, everybody that works in the horse racing industry, it's not a nine to five job. I mean, it's more like a nine in the morning, <laughs> nine in the morning. How about six in the morning? Till about uh, midnight job, and uh, these guys and gals put in a lot of hours, and you know they're very, very busy. So we certainly appreciate them taking time out of their busy schedule to uh, you know to uh, talk with us here on Post Time with Mike and Mike. And we want to thank all of our sponsors that make this show possible. And uh, more more than anything, we want to thank the listeners because uh, without them, we certainly wouldn't be here. So thanks to everybody. And uh, Mike, I think it's time to wrap this thing up. We'll uh, be on next Thursday at one o'clock. Stay tuned for uh, show information as far as time is concerned, because that is going to change, especially when we get into uh, April, because, uh, of course, Harris-Philadelphia races during the afternoon, so there will be a little bit of a time change. So we certainly want to uh, encourage people to follow us on social media for that information. Yeah, definitely. And uh, real quick, we want to express our condolences to to Harold Sunny Dancer's family. I uh, was, was browsing through Twitter during the show. Uh, they had the last lap at, uh, it looks like, Freehold uh, today. Uh, the grandson, uh, Joe Bongiorno, carried the Dancer family legacy forward. So uh, our deepest condolences from all of us here at Post Time with Mike and Mike to the Harold Sunny Dancer family. Well, Mike Bozich, uh, it's been a lot of fun. I don't know where this last hour and 10 minutes is gone, but we'll see everybody next week. Again, make sure you uh, check us out on Facebook and on Twitter for the most recent and updated time information. We'll see you next week.